0: Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dismantling the Ivory Tower podcast. I am your host, Elijah John. I'm joined to my left by Dr. Clifford C. Meeks, my co-host. How you doing, Doc?
1: I'm all right. Peace, everyone. Uh, just enjoying the vibe here in New Orleans and at the National Conference on Race and Ethnicity in Higher Education, otherwise known as NCOR, So
0: That's right. That's right. Um, and to my right, I have Jasiri X. That's right, peace,
2: peace, What's going on? Not much ready man. to dismantle some shit, I mean, can I curse on this? yeah, go for it, yeah, going yeah, for yeah, I'm profane that's all right,
0: that's all right, yeah, man. We are happy to have you on, so just see you know, for those who don't you know what actually let me ha- let me let you introduce yourself, yeah, yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about your origin story,
2: who you are, oh for people wow, who don't know you um, know? yeah, I'm a hip hop artist, uh socio conscious hip hop artist, activist, and uh a founding member of an organization uh, that came out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called One Hood Mm -hmm. and a, a a, a co-founder of One Hood Media uh, that kind of came out of emerged out of our organization One Hood um, to specifically around the subject of how uh, black men were portrayed in media. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm originally from the South side of Chicago. Um, I was, you know, raised socially conscious. My given name is Jasiri. Um, But, and I didn't really totally understand it in Chicago because I was in a 100% black environment. You know, Chicago was very segregated. My school was 100% black. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't until, you know, my mother uh, got a job uh, with Westinghouse. My mother became a nuclear engineer. Wow. And um, I grew up a single-parent household. So moms moved us to Monroeville, a suburb of Pittsburgh. And that's when um, I was like, oh. You know, first time the thing to do in Marrovo is go to Marovo Mall. First time there was called nigga, mm. um, and I I just remember like, you know, I'm the I'm the quote unquote man of the house, thinking like, what do I do? Do I try to fight this guy? What if he comes to to, to harm us? And so, um, you know, I get to high school. I'm from Chicago. You know, you racist in my face. You know, I'm punching you. Yeah. And um, I got suspended, and my mom was. You know, to my mom, like, education was everything, right? We right. Education got us out of the hood. Um, and so she was like, you can't fight. My mom, like, sat me down, like, look, you're going to have to find another place to live. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, yeah, yeah, because that's going to go on your permanent record. It's going right. to affect what school you go to. That's how my mom is thinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was valedictorian of Roosevelt University, her class. Oh, wow. So, um, wow. you know, that's how I got into activism. Like, I knew... I couldn't just be quiet with what I was, what I was seeing. So at gateway high school, we started a black history club. I'm sorry, a black like student club. And then we got to school to teach a black history class. And so that was like my introduction to activism and, you know, a friend of mine, my best friend at the time, got turntables for Christmas. Okay. He said, I'm going to be the DJ, you be the rapper. <laughs> I wrote a rap, and it was terrible. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, it was my first rap. Yeah, you know? yeah, I yeah. never going to start out great. Yeah. Right. But people encouraged me, and um, it was therapeutic for me to write about the things that I was experiencing. Um, and so, you know, I, I got better and um, found my voice. And so, um, but at the same time, I'm not in the hood in Chicago no more. I can't talk about the streets. I was talking about what I was experiencing, which was white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. uh, you know, my music fell into conscious rap and people kept, people told me like over and over again, conscious music ain't selling ain't nobody trying to hear no conscious music. So I gave it up and I was, um, working in a high school. Uh, um, and, um, I was, a. Uh, an advocate for Teen Fathers for Pittsburgh Public Schools that took me to a bunch of different schools, and I had an opportunity to do an after-school program. And so I started a hip-hop club. Uh, you know, one of the schools I started the hip-hop club at was and uh, One of my students was named Cam, but people know him now as Wiz Khalifa. Wow. Uh, wow. And That's so, crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mac Miller as well. Man, he, yeah. rest in, man, he rest in power. Um, yeah. And so um, I started writing raps Again, just to like impress my students. Yeah. So I would write, you <laughs> no, know, you're like I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with it, I'm, Oh know? bro. I had oh, a I mean, look, you know, because um <laughs> you know, just a you know, like when I worked in Pittsburgh Public Schools at the time, you know, this is like fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. I had to wear a suit because um what? I would I was clean shaven. I would get mistaken as a student. I'd be in the bathroom. They'd be like, what you doing? You get back back to class? I'm like, (laughs) I work here. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah, so putting a suit on when I went to get a student out of class, I never had no pushback. Right, Mm -hmm. I have a suit on. I have my board ID because I would be going to different schools. And so, um, you know, the the, the teachers began to approach me and say, can you speak to the bad students, which was black men? Mm. (laughs) And this is some of the genesis of One Hood, because, and I I would rap. Yeah. I'd get everybody in class to start rapping, they'd be like, oh man, you nice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. I remember one of my students, we were signing people up for the hip hop club. He put a hundred dollars on the table. We said, yo, hundred dollars anybody can beat, Mr. Smith. That <laughs> was that was I was I was eating these children up. <laughs> you know? <And> like, <laughs> was, so he kept he kept he kept his hundred dollars. But um so it was like hip hop connected me with them in a different way. Right. And um so basically at the time a group of us, we all were working with young black men in some form of capacity Mm -hmm. and just got tired of seeing, you know, them go to jail, get killed. You know, a lot of people, when they think of violence in Pennsylvania, they think of Philly, but we actually traditionally have a higher per capita murder rate based on the amount of people in Pittsburgh. And so, um, you know, that was the, you know, we, and we just looked around at that time. It was like, it wasn't that we, you know, felt a disrespect towards like the NAACP or urban league, but we felt like they were out of touch with what was happening in our community. And so mm-hmm. for us, we started one hood as a way to connect directly to our community, our people. And we, it was hip hop. You know what I'm saying? It was like our way of say a unity. We One hood. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Why are we beefing and killing one another? We One hood. And so, um, it just took off because we were this group of young men, young black men, uh, stepping up at this time. And, um, so we started to organize and then, um, 2006, I heard about a situation in Gina, Louisiana, where six young black men were uh, charged with attempted murder for a f- high school fight. Yeah, This was, uh, you know, there was a social media uh, called MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well back. So I put a I put a song on MySpace, my MySpace page called <laughs> Free to Gina Six. And um, somebody sent it to a website called All Hip Hop. So the time all hip hop was like the biggest hip hop website. Right. And um I'm at I'm at my job. Somebody called me, like, yo, your song's on the front page all hip hop. I left work in the middle of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I you're like, like yo, i I'm I'm out. Because but also they blocked the those sites. I had to go home to <laughs> right. see it. Oh, okay. I right. see, I see. So I was yeah. like, yo, that's crazy. Then somebody sent it to a radio host named Michael Bazin. At the time, yeah. Michael Bazdin was syndicated all over the country. That's right. He played it and um got such a reaction he was it was the only song he said he ever played two times in a row wow next thing you know i'm on a michael Bazin show i'm in gina with al sharpton and dick gregory and most deaf and cube and um that and and but for me it was like a moment where i was getting all these messages from people and i was like oh i was lied to like i was told this generation didn't want to hear conscious music mm-hmm. but i'm all getting all these messages <clears> and all this support and so um Flash forward a couple months later, um, the police officers that killed Sean Bell in New York City were found not guilty. And I just got all these messages, like, you got to do a song about it. And I was like, damn, like, initially I was like, I don't want to just be the tragedy rapper, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Call me when something happens. But um, right. at that time, established artists weren't touching on these subjects. And so right. I did a song called Enough's Enoughs. So it was the first time I had a video on World Star Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up. Um, getting invited to do uh, rap city and BET, and I was like wow man I'm making this music that um, I'm inspired to make uh, because I'm an activist first right and, and then my art comes out of my activism and um, I'm um, I'm having success and so I just kept you know doing that um, you know I was first artist to do a song around Oscar Grant um, and then you know I uh, did a song in 2010 called What if the Tea Party was Black that went viral. And enabled me to become a full time hip hop artist. And um yeah, man, uh twenty twelve I did Trayvon. I was the first artist to do a song for Trayvon and it was like that kind of all these things kinda of put me into a place where I was able to, you know, basically go all around the country and um and be a hip hop artist. Um, but I would come back to Pittsburgh, which uh traditionally we have the, the poorest working class black community when you talk about inner city poverty and That was the genesis of like, well, I didn't think like what I did, how I got on, I was like special. I just used the tools, the Internet. I didn't go through a major label. I was able to connect directly to my audience. And so for us, the One Hood Media Academy was about connecting these young people. Like we can tell our own stories now. We don't need a middleman. Um, And that was the genesis of that media academy that's now One Hood and now we've grown um to where we have you know five pillars and areas that we work on which is art activism media education and civic engagement um and we've been able to do a lot in the city so um yeah i guess that's to make a longer story short uh that's kind of like my my uh my little origin story you feel me yes nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Thank, thank you for, for
1: sharing. yeah thank you for sharing yeah uh, I know for me, I, I definitely recall the Genesis, yeah. Genesis tragedy, and uh, you know, and I remember the song that you had put out. Absolutely. And so, you know, definitely appreciate that. And Thank I, you. And I'm, I'm glad you did not become the tragedy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have more to say. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess what I'm looking at right now are, you know especially after listening to you and the rest of the crew in the, uh, pre-conference that you all did for Encore. Yeah. Like, like where, what do you see like transitioning now into like the politics that we're seeing now regarding, you know, uh, you know, now that everybody's gearing up for 2024, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, how do you see One Hood Media and you know you yourself as an artist, yeah. an activist artist? Like, how are you all preparing for that?
2: So, yes. in, in a number of ways, and I, I'm gonna tell you, brother, I believe that um, a lot of what we're seeing, particularly around what they you know critical, which is critical race theory, isn't being taught in schools, but the mm-hmm. framing of that, you know, critical race theory uh, was was born in Pittsburgh. Uh, with Derek Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, all of these things around books, I think it's a direct response to the white participation in the uprising of 2020, the young white participation. I mean, you know, y'all coming from Portland, man. Them white folks up there, man, got <laughs> it's a lot. Super gangster with it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm so almost two. <laughs> but um, they showed up, they, yeah, hey, man. bro, and, lead, and, and, yeah. and 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 uh, and, 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 a, and a, in a very strong way. So, to me, you know, these white people in power looked up and was like, "Where are they learning this? Yeah. Who's teaching them this? Like, what is causing them to respond to the side of the oppressed?" Um and not the oppressor and uh, that's why I think the pushback around all these oh there's an anti-racist baby book in the schools and we need to take that <laughs> yeah, you know the, right. they're learning about you know these issues and you know so I think I think that's the pushback and so for us it's culture mm-hmm. we use hip hop culture to me the big the best weapon we have is culture and I'm gonna tell you like as somebody who's been an artist in a political space I've always said. I've always encouraged this. I believe every political organization has, should have an artist on staff because a cultural change always precedes a political change. Mm-hmm. It was a cultural change in whether it was like Will and Grace or Ellen that that preceded, you know, marriage equality for queer folks, right? right? right. First a culture change. Then people began to change um, um, in terms of, you know, passing different laws and support right um so it always starts with culture first and so we're producing culture mm-hmm. um and you know we're it's uh, it's more intense for us because we're in Pennsylvania we're in this swing state right where in 2016 it went for Trump and in 2020 it went for Biden and, and Brothers it to be you know it was it because kind of like war in a sense mm-hmm. because in 2020, There was a, there was a threat of violence. Like, I mean, I remember being like, damn, like here we are a hundred years from Tulsa, black wall street massacre. And we have to think about there might be violence when we go vote. Right. So we, we really had them. And and now 2024, it's almost like the stakes are even higher now. real Real
0: concern.
2: And so we're, you know, we organize, you know, we've been very successful politically in Pittsburgh. Um, 2020, we got involved in, in it in 2019, um, uh, with the DA's race that we lost, but we won the city, but 2020 Pennsylvania did go for Biden. We did a lot of cultural, um, pieces, even, even though we were COVID, we did like a lot of outdoor festivals, um, for the, for our communities and all the major black communities in Pittsburgh. 2021, we elected Pittsburgh's first black mayor, right. uh, Mayor Ed Ganey, and we elected five progressive judges, all women, three wow. black women. Uh 2022, we elected the first black congresswoman from Pennsylvania, Summer Lee. Yes. Um, and and we also, like every, you know, you know, Josh Shapiro is our governor. Mm -hmm. Fetterman was our is our senator. You know what I'm saying? Um you know, every race we touched, we uh we won. Um and um so and then this past election, not only it was a local election, but our the DA that we initially lost, we won the primary this year. So it's looking like we're going to have a progressive DA similar to what they have in Philadelphia, the county executive that holds all the money for the county, first woman county executive that's down with this progressive movement and team. And then our political director uh, is my city councilman. Okay. Um, and so now that we've had that success, like we have a machine going now. Um, and we have like the blueprint already, which is we're bringing culture to politics. We're making politi- We're making like voting cool. We're building black and progressive political power in Pittsburgh, even though we're 25 percent of Pittsburgh population, 12 percent of the county. We're still having this success because we're affecting voters that don't normally vote. Just to give you a um, a, a stat. Right. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia had a mayoral race. Yeah. A primary. Right. Philadelphia has 1.5 million people. Mm-hmm. The woman who won, Sherelle Parker, who won the Democratic primary for mayor, won with 75,000 votes. Wow. And a city of 1.5 million. So we can affect more even if we develop in that voting base. And so we're preparing now. we like, we're planning now for 2024 because we know that it's going to be another fight For people that don't know about Pennsylvania, um, you have Philly on the west, on the east side, Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh on the west side. There's a Harrisburg in the middle. Everything else, we, you know, we refer to it as Pennsylvania, right? So everything else is like, so when you drive through the middle of the state, like, you know, when Obama said they cling on to their guns and religion, he was talking about Pennsylvania. We are the second most guns after Texas. Is in Pennsylvania. Wow, oh, I wouldn't have I, expected that. I would not guessed that. Guess that. No. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's why it's always, like, a closed piece. So, like, Philly coming out, Pittsburgh coming out becomes very important mm-hmm. to win in that state. So, we're organizing. But, thankfully, we have a governor that, that understands, you know, uh, our, the position that we're in. You know, we have the Senate. We have the, uh, you know, the the Congress folks. You know what I'm saying? So, we have those that leadership in line. To hopefully take Pennsylvania again in 2024, I believe wow. we will.
1: Wow. Well, look, look. I guess taking it back a step too, like regarding the education piece, because I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm, 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 I feel like you're blessing us with your origin story to right. let people know, like, you know, no, I, I was in the school. Oh, you absolutely. You know, and and yeah. and so this didn't, this wasn't just I woke up one day with a great idea. No, yeah. I, you know, this was all formulative. So, but I am curious. Like, are how are you all, uh, or more so because we're in higher ed, right? Are you all do do you have tentacles in the higher ed
2: piece? Uh, absolutely.
1: Okay, because uh, that's that's the piece, and, and if some, you could talk some, a little bit on that, some too. right
2: because um so we're actually doing a um a Juneteenth event with the University of Pittsburgh, okay, um and it's really like kind of chronicling um the power of hip-hop, and it's featuring, um, you know, what the brother tried to do, which I thought was dope, was try to get an artist from every decade um, of hip-hop. Ah, nice. And so um, we have, like, uh, you know, Paradise Gray, who was one of One Hood's founding members, mm-hmm. who is, um, was the entertainment director at the Latin Quarter and gave, like, Public Enemy and LL Cool J, their first show, mm-hmm. then went on to be the architect of the rap group X Clan. Yeah. Um. And, and 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 what they brought to the table, and he was the producer of X Clan, and so he's on the panel. Uh, he's now the uh, curator of the Universal Hip Hop Museum, um, in New York City. And then we have like Fed the God, who um is the most recent signing of uh, to Taylor Gang. Wiz's label mm-hmm. who just a young energetic you know what I'm saying like you know <laughs> uh, a dope ass dude man really humble brother but you know um making good music came out of the north side of Pittsburgh yeah. and is now um uh you know national uh due to due the support of Wiz and we got Hardo who's like uh Hardo blew up uh off a of world star because he had made a video um when he was on um he was on probation, and, you know, they say you can't be around these right. certain individuals, and he did a whole video with all them individuals. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he represents the streets of Pittsburgh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Very real cat. Um, but, you know, when we allow artists to grow and and, and get older, if they can just get older, man, and we don't we don't lose them at a young age, they mature. Right. Yeah. And, and they begin to see things in a larger picture, Um, And he's one of those brothers that's that's doing that. So it should be a dope event. Um, But we've done stuff with Pip. We've done stuff with Carnegie Mellon. Mm -hmm. uh, We've done stuff with the School of Education at Duquesne, where they actually brought us in to, you know, almost like talk to the educators and teach the educators about, like, our approach uh, to education and and how we use the culture and hip-hop. And so um, my brother who's at Duquesne, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing his face. I'm losing his name. Like, I'm in the book. Um I'm I'm collaborating on a book um it's a brother that's here T Elon uh, um Dancy mm-hmm. who's over at the center of um urban education at Pitt um so I'm part of a book that he is producing that should be out very shortly okay. um and we were you know awarded uh, we, uh given an award by the uh the urban education center at Pitt for the you know the work that we do at our media academy and so um Pittsburgh's small so we we we're you know people know us in Pittsburgh, and we have a lot of support. And so, um, you know, we get brought on campuses. But I'll give you an example of, of, of the backlash. Okay, yeah. So Carnegie Mellon had a festival called the Watson Festival. It was the 13th year, so they brought us in. I did a a, a talk similar to the one I did yesterday. Okay. Um, one of our artists, Black Rap Medusa, uh, did, um, now identifies as they, by that time, did a one-woman show about her journey um or their journey i uh, was really powerful and then we performed and um so it was like powerful but you know super conscious we're all conscious we all pro-black and um about a month later one and, and then we produced this video they they like we worked with the film class like we were coming in the film class like and they produce a video for me and black a song called speak no evil so a month later we get a call they said yeah They canceled the Watson Offensive. What? (laughs) Man. Like, whoever funded it was like, y'all ain't going to bring these radical black people back in. So it was a black student. And, you know, like, like my response, I laugh. And I wasn't, you know, I had to tell him, man, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just saying, like, this is Pittsburgh, man. (laughs) You know, you brought us in. We come and do our thing. And it was, like, particularly a place like Carnegie Mellon, which um, Carnegie Mellon produced a... Uh, document for their students, they said, "Yo, these are all the Pittsburgh neighborhoods," and they erase every black neighborhood in Pittsburgh from that document. Jeez. So what? Oh, absolutely, because they're you know they don't want their students to go into these type of neighborhoods. So uh, the, the, the organizing we're doing, what we began to do, and we started uh, two years ago, is we began organizing all the BSUs into like a larger group. Ooh. And so, uh, you know, we saw, you know, um, in Cali they did it in a very strong way. Yeah, they have this network of Black student unions up and down Cali, and they come together. Oh my so god! So we're attempting to do that in Pittsburgh, and uh, we've had meetings. Uh, we have a lot of interns, particularly from University of Pitt, yeah, uh, that work with us, and so our connection is more to the students. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And the student Absolutely. base, and that's
2: who we're organizing and working with and, and just working to empower because, like, I always tell students, like, you know, they can't expel us, so, you know what I mean? Like, call us in, Yeah. and you don't got to, you know, you don't got to – we'd we be the rebel rousers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: and you don't have to worry about that. Wow. No, that that's – see, that right there is very powerful because we were – you know, because that's something I'm – looking at how do you take some of these strategies back and the culture back and how do you really how do we really infuse the culture into at least for me because Uh of the program that I coordinate how do we really use the culture to you know to connect even more with students beyond just the men of color program that we have
2: yeah Yeah. I always tell like educators and academics like that like when you connect with the people in that community, yeah, because a lot of times they separate us. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you could be on campus and of course you're there for a reason. You didn't get stuff done, but it actually puts you in a more powerful position because now they know that they, if they mess with you, all of us are coming. You know what I'm saying? Um, we have a amazing um, chancellor at, uh, at, um, oh my God, uh, it's not Carlo. University in Pittsburgh named, named Dr. Kathy Humphreys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like that's just connecting with the people, connecting the community. So it's like we all got our back. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'll say the last thing that we started to, and I was working with an alumni group in, from University of Pittsburgh. The University of Pittsburgh, 4%, and, and it, this, a lot of these universities have huge budgets. Yes, 4% of their budget it might have been it might be 3% actually spent with black businesses. And so these black alumni stepped to them and was like this is unacceptable. If you tripled that you don't get 10%. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the ways we can begin to organize is looking at the budget of these universities and saying like, well, are you, uh, you know, are you utilizing black caterers and uh, black organizations and black mechanics? And so like we're having that conversation right now. So this alumni group, I think they said we want 40%. Cause you know you gotta right. ne- you, you negotiate got, you, you negotiate yeah. you know what I'm saying you, you yeah, yeah 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 you absolutely. start high so yeah. absolutely yeah you got they was they was like so I, I I you know shout out to you know uh, Derek Tillman who's one of the brothers that's, that's leading it mm-hmm. um and so to me that's another piece that we should begin to look at okay yeah. are we spending with indigenous folks mm-hmm. are we spending with you know uh black folks and these businesses and how are we supporting them and so yeah I would I would encourage Higher ed folks to look into that that procurement, you know I me. Mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. I, you know,
0: I haven't been talking much just because I've been enjoying just the kind of back and forth between yeah, you two. Yeah, absolutely. But um, absolutely. you know, I wanna I wanna ask because you you mentioned something you were you were talking about, you know, losing Mac Miller and and losing these absolutely. young artists. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think it's interesting to look because I think, in hip hop, we lose a lot of our heroes. True. We yep. lose. Yeah. Every year, Nipsey
2: Hustle, man, Nipsey, hey, rest in Power, that was my man, hero. Exactly,
0: that's yeah. what I'm saying. And and honestly, like I look at other genres of music, and that's they're not losing all their people,
2: right? right. You know, not and a lot to violence. You do have some drug sure doses, but not to violence right. in the way that we we lose ours, right? Yeah.
0: Exactly, and and you know that feels to me, and you know to me, it feels like maybe that's something that connects to the one hood, uh, absolutely idea when and, and it's it's really like. What I want to ask you is, is, first, why do you think we keep losing our our heroes? You know, black heroes and, and just hip hop heroes. And second of all, what do you do about it?
2: Yeah. So part of it is, I mean, you know, we're, you know, hip hop is unique in that it's about like a connection to your community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way that's different, right? You know, I don't know, but I mean, I'm not. I don't know if. You know, in the country music, yeah, it it's mean, a like, different what, sphere. But. what what rural area did you come from? I don't know if it's the same piece, <laughs> right. right? For sure. us, it's like that's meaningful. Like, where are you from, and and who do you know there? Exactly. And who are you connected to there? It's a different. But what what happens, unfortunately, is that you know you because you're from there, you begin to, p- to participate in what happens there. And you know, the reality of our communities is our communities have been hi- historically. Disinvested in, yeah, like purposefully. Yeah. Oh, it very intentionally. So it that's part of what ha leads to mm-hmm. a lot of the. Vi- and so, like, you know, when you talk about, I, you know, we don't use the term black on black crime because that's a white supremacist term. Right,
1: people right. commit it,
2: crime where they live. We don't say the crime in China is yellow on yellow crime, sure. or the crime in, you know, somewhere else is you know white on white crime. The crime in Russia. That's crime. It's yeah. You know what I'm saying. People commit crime where they live, and so um, what what happens is uh, in our community. So the safest communities, because another piece is there's another piece that's happening that's a response to the cry to defund the police, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about the safest communities, normally they don't have police stations. Right. Uh, the safest communities don't have the most police. So it's the most police city. The city that has the most cost per capita is Chicago. So it yeah, was like if, if more police meant safety, that would be the safest city in America, but it's not. And it's not. Right? right. So the safest communities have the most resources. And so I think part of it is p- putting it into context, right? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, one of the dopest points I think uh, Ibram Kendi made is like, well, either we're, you know, Born violent, or it's policies. It's either one or the other, and we know which one it is. We know <laughs> it's, it's policies, policy, right? Right. So, you know, we lost a, a artist named Jimmy Wapo who had just been signed to to Taylor Gang and Wizards label. Who was a really, you know, charismatic brother, um but he was still in his community, and you know, because he was in his community, you know, his community. Uh, was a community, the Hill District is an historic neighborhood in Pittsburgh, but also has, you know, some violent uh, 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 responses to it. And so, unfortunately, he was a victim of that. And so I think how we stop it is we have to begin to change the way we think about what public safety is in our community. Because in the past five years in Pittsburgh, they put $50 million into policing. Mm. the police budget increased 50 million dollars and so if it increased 50 million dollars and crime has gone up what does that tell you to me it would tell me that it's not that we spent the 50 million dollars wrong right yeah the police will tell you oh we need more money
0: Yep, that's exactly what it is every time why
2: should you get more money if you're failing when we gave you 50 million Mm -hmm. right Right. uh but this is kind of how the system works and so we're looking at Um, I'll tell you the place that I believe has a, a answer and it's Newark, New Jersey and Newark, New Jersey has a conscious mayor that comes out of hip hop named Ross Baraka. Yeah, that's right. You know, Ross Baraka was on the score, the Fugees, you know, to me, one of the best hip hop albums ever made. If you've never heard the Fugees, the score, (laughs) I would encourage you Elijah and your listeners go listen to it. Man, It's powerful. Um, So, what he did was he began <clears throat> to invest in community organizations in Newark. He took 5% of the police budget and put those monies and resources into the community and Newark right now has their murder rate is the lowest it's been since the 60s. Just Ooh. to put it in perspective, hood ass Newark and I'm not I'm saying it with lovingly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cuz yeah. I love Newark. has tw- had 20 less murders last year than Pittsburgh. Huh. Right. Same size city. Newark, 99 percent black. Right. Right. Pittsburgh, 25 percent. And so we took a group to Newark to look at how they're doing it and the work that they're doing. They created this office of violence prevention that sits in between the police and the and the, and the uh, community. And it allows folks to get involved in public safety in a way where we don't have to talk directly to the police, because if you talk directly to the police, you could be labeled mm-hmm. a snitch in our community and that could have negative repercussions as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so there are solutions that are happening and, and Newark, New Jersey is leading the way and it, but it begins with an investment. I'm going to tell you a story like, you know, we, we started one hood. I remember we went to uh, Pittsburgh public schools and we said, um, yeah, uh, we want to do this program. And they said, well, your program, um, your budget, it's too much money per student. And I was like, I reject that idea. Like, yeah. I believe right. that these students are deserving yeah. of this money and these resources. But this is how oftentimes, like, these people think. Like, they're not, you know, in these suburban schools, they're not saying, oh, it's too, too much. much right. Never. Man, they, that's why the schools look the way they do. Yeah. The resources that they have. So that's, the, to me, the solution is actually investing in the young people in our community in a way Uh, where they feel loved, seen, supported. um, And that's what we strive to do at One Hood. We have a program around violence called We Keep Us Safe, where we're working with young people almost as like a think tank Mm -hmm. to create media and create events that can serve as safe spaces in our community that we can keep safe, right? Mm -hmm. We want to begin to create safe spaces in the absence of the police because in, in our community, when the police show up, that doesn't mean our safety, in many cases, right? Right. Um, Sometimes that means that we're less safe uh, when police show up, and so what we every time that student comes to our group, they get paid. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Like mm-hmm. your time is valuable. If we're using your brain power, your thought power, well, there's a value to that, and as an organization, we need to pay you that, yeah. right? So we're not we're not creating. We're not recreating exploit- exploitive systems, systems right? When we're getting a bunch of grant money, and we just want y'all to come in. We are gonna give y'all some pizza and a, <laughs> and a juice box, and 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 nah, man. You know, you what I'm gotta saying? make you're, it real. You're a part of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're you, and we tell our students like we're using your, you know, we got money for this, and so you should be paid. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our artists are paid. We don't do any per- any you per- do any performance for One Hood, you get paid. Right. We yeah. start at 150 a performance, and then go up at least. Mm-hmm. That's the least amount you're going to get paid. And we advocate <clears throat> for artists in the city to get paid because you bring value in your art. When you perform, you bring value to the to, to who you perform in front of, and you bring value to our organization. Yeah. We have to be real about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, we support, you know, we had a high-profile police killing of a young man named Antoine Rose II. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We support his family because the reality is that our organization got more support because of what happened to this Michelle Kenny, this woman's son. Yeah. Right. So I believe, I believe we have a responsibility. Right. Right. And, and this is kind of where, you know, some of the, you know, organizing, you know what I'm saying? Kind of went awry. Mm -hmm. I believe we have a moral responsibility to support these families, particularly when we have organizations that benefited from those families. They lost real, they lost lives, right? Right, right. So we have what's our responsibility to these families? I feel like we have a moral responsibility to support those families. And so Antoine's mom is our fellow. She's our first One Hood fellow. And whatever she wants to do, we support her because that's our responsibility,
0: yeah, yeah, I think that's important. I think yeah. that's absolutely something that is is missing from a lot of organizations that claim to you know be supportive. Well, stay away from them. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go to <one laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well,
0: wow,
1: wow. Yeah, I just had a couple Go more ahead, points. Please, yeah. Um, first, just I I feel like what the what you articulated in essence. Is the very definition of defund yes. the police? It was. It was never about take away the money. No,
0: reallocation. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, more.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly, Elijah. It was about reallocation. But right. and, and what's fascinating to me is, folks, either don't want to get that, yeah, or they choose not to hear that.
2: Yeah, it, you know, a lot of it, brother, is like, the conversation we really have to have is with older Black people because in in lot in, in of cases, older black people are rightfully afraid because of True. violence in their communities. And so we haven't, you know, our in, in that imagination. We think is violence. Call the police. I had a friend of mine, you know, he live in DC and although his, his neighborhood's being gentrified is still violence
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and he has children. He has a 16 year old son. And he said, man, every time my 16 year old son leaves, I'm afraid. Yeah he's had you know classmates and friends that have been shot right so he told me man i ain't trying to hear none of that defund stuff right <laughs> and but i understand as where you know i'm a i'm a dad too like my mm-hmm. neighborhood is totally gentrified like i'm safe <laughs> yeah i'm well my you know i had to worry about the maybe. way folk live next door not entirely but it's different yeah. so i think that's i think part of it is we have to show our community -hmm. How, like, we can be creative around safety. Yes, and 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 we, but we have to really sit down and have those conversations, and they have to see it. Um, Some people are purposefully, of course, misinterpreting that for a reason, right? Right. Right. Um, Trying to propaganda. Yeah, trying to make you know, trying to throw it on. You know, uh, they tried to use us against Fetterman.
1: Yeah, because
2: we interviewed John Fetterman he He was interviewed by this radical organization <laughs> thankfully, like the national news didn't pick up on it mm-hmm. um but that is a real conversation we have to have mm-hmm. um and 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 I'm looking forward to it um because that's the biggest you know the main people that's like no nah, we need more police so, you know the woman who won the mayoral race in philly it was because she said I'm hiring three hundred more cops and i'm it back stop and frisk. Mm. And so black Whoa. people voted for, Oh yeah. Whoa. Because black people are voting out of fear.
1: Right, right. Because
2: they're seeing, and sometimes it's like a fear that their own children might become victims of this violence that we're seeing happen. True. And so part of what we have to do is begin these innovative approaches um, and, and then have that larger conversation with our community. So uh, our mayor is investing in local community organizations uh, like what we see happening in Newark and we're hoping that it uh begins to transform the city in a different way like it did in Newark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's an off topic question. Fetterman
0: yeah. is big as big as big as he looks.
2: He's a big guy. I you think- know what I'm saying? He's uh um and, uh, and you know we you know obviously are hoping that he continues to heal. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely You know he had a tr- he had a stroke. I know yeah. I heard about and that. And to
0: even to be able to go back to doing what he's doing, right. but to
2: even debate, to even do—I don't—I think we don't fully understand how much it took for him to even do that, right? To even yeah. debate, and you know, you know, and, and it and it brought up all these conversations around accessibility and mm-hmm. what does it mean uh, for folks that are, um, um what, what's the terminology now? Uh, are we different, saying,
1: differently abled and differently abled yeah. right right because I don't
2: mm-hmm. want to use the disrespectful terminology um and then you know he openly talked about being depressed mm-hmm. and the struggle because you you know like you <coughs> said he's a big dude and now you're not as strong
0: or, there's that or, misconception or yeah.
2: viral because of which because you went through a I mean, he went to a health crisis. He almost died. Right, right. And, so and people use
0: that against him 100%, a lot. Of, of course. And lot. so
2: now I, I thought it was brave to come out and say, hey, man, I'm going to get support. You know, May was Mental Health Month, mm-hmm. and there's this whole conversation around black mental health, and and now I'm ha- that's one of the things I like the most about this generation is the openness to, to, to wanting to have mental health and the therapy. You know, we come from, I came from the Suck It Up. Yeah, and hey, suck that shit up, man. Go yeah, back. Yeah, right. suck it right. out. Suck right. it out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and that I think that harmed us in many ways. I, yeah, a hundred percent. There's Absolutely. no, there's no yeah, way yeah, it yeah. didn't. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a reason
0: you see in so many, you know, black communities where it's like this, this idea of you don't show your emotions. Uh-huh. You, don't, yes. you don't speak up. That's you don't talk. what I came from. Yeah,
2: like, suck it up. I don't want to hear, see no tears. Yeah, men don't cry because it, it's, yeah. it's seen
0: as weakness and it's right. seen as as something that can be used against you. Right.
2: But I feel like this, your generation is more open to. Therapy and mental health and support. Absolutely. Um. And, and expressing, like, you know, whether you need, like, y'all might just need a mental health day.
0: Yeah, yeah. And know? and I think a lot of that, too, like, to tie it into the hip-hop thing comes from hip-hop artists yeah. who are finally starting to talk about that kind Absolutely. of thing. I think about Kid Cudi, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. how, like... He he's talking about I got some issues that nobody can see Come and on, man. You, you know talking my language. <laughs> That's like, one of my favorite projects. Right. Man. Um, Me too, man. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Big, I'm a big Cudi fan. Me too, man. And it's just like to to have somebody that you can listen to when you're feeling that way. Yeah, and when absolutely. you're like I'm not I'm not really okay, but I'm not I'm not trying to listen to something about like yeah I'm hard I'm I'm yeah. good I'm great I'm I'm you know I'm not right yeah, now absolutely. okay I'm not right, okay right, right now and I need to hear somebody who's who's kind of saying. It's okay to not be okay. It's all right. Take a deep breath, man. You, you know, you're not less of a black man for feeling this way, you know?
1: You know, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's interesting, Elijah, not even interesting, but for you to mention that, you know, noticing how, as we are continuing to, uh, the technical term is resume function, Coming out of the pandemic, sure. you know, and places are continuing to open up, and I'm speaking more around educational institutions and yeah. just I don't know if you're seeing this or not, but you know, colleges and universities, you know, for the longest time, it was no. As a you, the student, need to be prepared for college, yeah. And my hope is that after coming out of two and a half years of, you know isolation and, and pandemic awareness. My hope is, is that these institutions are starting to say, wait a minute, we have to be prepared for the students that are coming into this now. So yeah. are the resources to just point earlier, like are the resources there? And if we don't, how are we using the financial resources, like you mentioned yeah, earlier yeah. around the budget allocations, because, you know, one of my mentors has always said, you know, you show me your budget. I can show you what your values what are, you,
2: what you care about. Yeah. Yeah. I um, We <clears throat> did a, a uh, short film. If you go to studentvoicespa.com. OK, uh, where we interviewed um, high school and first year college students um, in 2020 about distance learning Mm -hmm. about you know the uprising uh the election and the most talked about subject was mental health yeah like the lack of mental health support that students received in high school and college right um and and you know know, and 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 how that affected folks um you know i'm I'm sure somebody's studying right now with the loss of that time Mm -hmm. and that um Ability to kind of engage with one another, and you know, so much of our learning comes from this very communal piece, right? Particularly those social cues and what that did um, to our community. And so, you're 100 percent right about like, you know, which it's kind of like, but you know, I don't know how deep you want to go, but you know, capitalism is <laughs> no. you know the push. Ooh, we to can just, go there. We, we can go there. Just yeah. go back. Because that's a, that's the whole go back to work, yeah, mm-hmm. because they want you to eat lunch downtown, and it's a whole economy mm-hmm. around us being in a building because the real estate person gets the rent and right. you know, and that's why this whole work from home, which people there was were a
0: lot of pushback especially. people were,
2: yeah people are as productive, so at one hood it's like you can do choose to do whatever, like you can come to the office, but unless we're having like a lunch or like a mandatory meeting. You have to come to the office. At the end of the day, as long as the work gets done, it shouldn't matter. I mean, right. yeah, of course. But right. again, like, I'm, we're not looking at it from that perspective sure. of, you know, cities and how they fund themselves and how they generate income and resources. So capitalism will tell you, you know, fuck your health.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely. You got to make it's this all, money. It's about the money. Yeah. It's yeah. about yeah. the and, capital. And, and in, and in hip hop, going back to that. Young people dying is fuck your life mm-hmm. because, you know, that those deaths, we going to still sell your record anyway. Exactly. Yeah, we'll make you a posthumous album and I, it'll sell a lot
0: and yeah. we're not going to have any regard for what your wishes no were, regard. whether they're finished songs or anything 100%. like that. It's, it's not about that. We don't care. Yeah. We and don't cor- care about you.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, Jasiri, but most of the time, it, when a record is sold posthumous, posthumously, that financial reward is not even being disseminated to The relatives of that family, or anything, no, not, not, not at
2: all. all the time, not you know I'm saying, all. and um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we even saw that with Biggie and Tupac, exactly, yeah, um, and 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 uh, so absolutely, I mean, some sometimes you know, depending on what um, what um, type of deal you sign, true, true. first contract I got as a rapper. I remember I was hype. I ain't going to lie. We got a contract, so cool, bro. Man. I mean, Absolutely. I was like, yo. And this was, I was we were, I was young at the time. I might have been like maybe like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And it was a management deal. Oh, we about to get a manager. We about to. And so I remember my, you know, we, I was in a group. And my man in the group called. He said, don't sign that contract. It was like, my heart dropped. I was like, what? What you mean <laughs> don't sign a contract? But his mom was a paralegal. He said, I'm going to put my mom on the phone. And, you know, this is my man. Like, his mom was like my mom. Yeah, right? yeah, right? yeah. Put his yeah. mom on the phone. And so, yeah, we, he would have owned the name, our name. Gee, like, no. he would have, oh, yeah, he would have, if signing that contract, I would have given him power of attorney. Where he could open up a bank account in my name. Oh, this is how them contracts be, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, man. Oh yeah. known the label, but I didn't know you could you could put in. Oh
0: yeah. You give me power of attorney. Power of attorney.
2: Well, you start to hear like you know Snoop and all these people like accountants took their money and well, more than likely they signed a thing and the accountant had power of attorney to be able to just do their finances in a way. And so they just would do their shit, take their shit. So it was, it was like, I was like, damn. And so the dude kind of was like, oh, well, you know, we can change. And I was like, nah, man, nah, you nah, you don't get it. I ain't giving you two chances to bite me. You right, had a chance. Right. I, I you, you swung at me, I ducked it. I'm not going <laughs> to give you another chance to punch me in the face. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you're, you know, depending on how you sign. And one of the reasons I maintained I wanted to maintain my independence or did as an artist is because by the time I started to emerge, it was the 360 deal. Yeah. And the 360 deal meant that you know, anything you did, like it used to be you signed a deal, it was only for the music. And as an artist, you do your concert was your money. You do a movie that was your money. The record label said, nah. Anything you do, oh, you do that commercial with McDonald's, we getting a piece of that. Yeah. Show, we getting a piece of that. Oh, you're doing some merch? We getting a piece of that. Yeah. And so it was more lucrative for me to maintain my independence. It's like I I was less famous. But I was more financially stable, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's often the trade-off you make when you sign a contract. Is a lot of times they'll give you fame. I mean, we saw that with the the rap group TLC, where they were the biggest group at that time. They were at their apex and they were all broke,
0: yeah, right. because
2: of the type of uh, deal that they signed. And so um, I chose to be better financially. And less famous. And that's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, a man. good wow. choice.
1: Well, look, do we got time for one more question. Yeah, we, yeah we gotta uh, ask, how who, much time do you have? You got to ask him my signature um, question. Let's,
2: let's do like We can do like 10 more minutes. Yeah, yeah so that works. Yeah, that yeah. works. Yeah. Let's do yeah. that.
1: You want to ask him our signature question? Are you, like, the
0: dismantling question? Yeah. Okay, so. All right, come the, on, yeah. Yeah, so the, you know, title of this podcast is Dismantling the Ivory Tower. Yeah. Um and we kind of like to just let our guests tell us what that means to them. Absolutely. You know because it can mean something a little different but there's usually a common theme. So can you tell me what dismantling the ivory tower means to you.
2: So I'm going to start with a story. Okay. So um in 2020 is when people began to use the term dismantling more, right? Mm-hmm. And it was around education. It was this mm-hmm. idea of dismantling white supremacy. Right. We're going to dismantle. So I remember having a conversation with a uh, a, um, a funder, right? Sure. Uh, a a phil- Philanthropic institution. They <laughs> <laughs> said, man, you know, Jasiri, what we want to start funding is, you know, organizations that are talking about dismantling these systems. And I said, well, then you're going to have to create an entirely different education. Mm -hmm. I said, because particularly for intelligent black people, I was taught how to navigate white supremacy. Right. I was taught how to navigate the ivory towers. Right. Mm -hmm. Had to survive. Well, I went through. No, I was like, once they identify you, and I don't know if they do it today in my day, once they identified you as intelligent, you went into a program. I went to this program called Enrose and it was specifically about teaching black people going to college. Like, you know, this, you use this fork and you do this and you speak this way. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, and, and so a lot of times we're taught how to navigate. This is how you survive and make money in the capitalist system. Right. It's like, okay, Oh, I gotta, and you know what it, what it really means in many cases is dimming your own light. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Being quieter, not, flipping the table, you know, Dave Chappelle had when keeping it real goes wrong, <laughs> right, right. not keeping it real. Right. Because yeah. we're navigating. And so dismantling is a different education. Mm-hmm. right? And, but we have to do that same thing. We have to start bringing our young people at, you know, and saying this is how you dismantle these ivory tower systems. And it means, you know, it means it's hard. Right. Because I think that work is more for somebody like myself. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ask a first generation student whose parents are, you know, you know, have hopes and dreams on them to go up there and dismantle some shit. Right. 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 Um, Because to me, that might not be a sacrifice they can make, even financially. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that person that gets sent off to college that's black and brown or even poor white. Is financially supporting the whole family, right? With their with their professional career, and so. uh, But part of that is um, one, like I said, like uh, like people from the outside, like you can't really punish me. What you gonna do now? I can't come to your school, so yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Trying to kick these doors down anyway, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, So it is about. um, I think you know, it's it's two strategies, right? It's a top down who is in these positions, decision-making positions, and what are they talking about and, and what are, what are their plans and their goals and pushing on that side. And it's another place of around like, where does this community sit? Where does this university sit in the community Mm -hmm. and what responsibility does it have to the community? This is why what we do as one hood, like you have a response. What's your responsibility and how are you using your university dollars? Um, Carnegie Mellon got a, uh, got a, got a grant uh, from the Heinz Endowment to do organizing, community organizer, $30 million endowment. Right? So as community <laughs> groups, we look and we like, what? So I know the guy's a good guy that's running this, but I told him, I said, I, I yeah, I'll come be a part of it. But I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming to watch you. I want to see if y'all are real about what you want to do and how you distribute this money. Mm-hmm. And so a conversation came up about, you know, well, what are you really able to spend? And so I found out that like Carnegie Mellon had like over 200 different endowments, just this one. universe. Wow. <laughs> I said, what? So like, What responsibility? Now you have a responsibility. If we have the poorest working class Black community in the country, and you have these resources, what are you doing? Right. I'm from Chicago. You know, I when I got my uh, honorary doctorate from the Chicago Theological Seminary, I did the the graduation speech at the University of Chicago, and my speech was about the information that is that is needed to help Chicago is here. But these regular random people in Chicago, they can't even get into the university. They can't even get on campus. Yeah. University of Chicago is the largest private police force in the United States. Mm. You can't even get on campus as a black person they're, they're really to access it. the information that you need to get out of the conditions. Wow! And so that's a part of, so we have to begin to put pressure <laughs> on these universities. And like I said, that's just for us because I think there's a, you know, we look at an inside outside strategy. Yeah, and I think yeah. like if you can get tenure or if you can get a position inside the university where you can push back, then it's your responsibility. Right. And because sometimes as black people I'm from the, 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 you know, I tell this story. We first started One Hood. Our biggest opposition was established black organizations. And it it hurt me. It was was heartbreaking to be like, damn, I thought these older uh, black people would embrace us. But they're against. They did not. And so what we do in One Hood is we incubate and get resources for younger organizations because we're not repeating this cycle. I don't think everybody got to come through one hood. Why? You might have a different idea. I think we need more organizations, not less. Right. And so it's for those people that get inside to open those doors. That's what I love. Like I'm here at Encore because, um, Dr. Michael Benitez, you know, and, 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 and Dr. Amir came, like they, they saw me as an artist. We want to bring you to Encore. Yeah. And you know, Mike was like, Hey man, we ain't really got no bread, but we got, I said, man, I'm coming. Yeah, you know what I'm cause saying Cause it's important because it's the it's the responsibility. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't know academics was using my videos and stuff in sure. the class. I didn't. Oh, yo, I wanna I wanna meet. So they brought me in. They could have said we started this institute. It's just gonna be us. They're dope enough to do it themselves. Right. But they opened it up to our, all of these artists and all these other academics, and they brought you know so they they created a wave of hip hop and black and brown dope people to come into Encore. That's what we got to do. So that's that responsibility of those that get in, yeah. right? However you got to do it, kick that door open and start bringing <laughs> in the, <laughs> the other people right. and then let us on the outside work on pressuring these universities in the way that we can do. Um, and then as, as a student, you know what I'm saying? You know, once you get your degree, or even if you reach your goal and fame, you got to come back. Yeah. You gotta give back, you know. Don't leave and leave behind your community. Give back, and yeah. so that's what I see. The whole dismantling process. That's a great answer, you
0: know. And I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this because I'm going to see Spider-Man tonight. Remember, okay, okay,
2: okay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Miles
0: Morales, that new one. Yeah, yeah. Remember the Uncle Ben rule. With great Come power on. comes Come great on. responsibility. Come that's All what right we say. Now. That's yep. what we say. Yeah. And man, so just to close it out real quick celebrating the 50th year yes. anniversary of hip-hop. Yes. Let me ask you one last question. Yeah. If you could collaborate with any artist from the 50-year history of hip-hop to send a message <sighs> to society, who would that be and why? That's any easy. artist.
2: That's easy. Yeah? That's easy. I mean, my my go. Okay, so I have two. Okay. okay. Go, for it. Go, go it. for it. go for it. I'll allow you two. I'll do it. I'll allow <laughs> it. <laughs> To me, the number one is Nas. Okay, okay. yeah. Like Nas yeah. has influenced me more than any other rapper. Yeah. So Nas, to me, was able to... Be street and conscious. At the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Authentically so. I yeah. mean, Nas vocabulary is amazing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, definitely like to test myself, right? Because on the track with Nas, you're gonna have to bring keep keep you know, up. to your game. I've been blessed. I've been blessed to do a joint with Chuck, Chuck D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, nah, and then the second one, unfortunately, I'm not able to do this because he passed, but the reason I rap. Um, is because of Prodigy from Mob Deep. Prodigy and um, okay, the one song that I remember where I was, I remember where I was. I was in Newark, New Jersey, <laughs> in the backseat of a car, <laughs> and then the radio was on, and I heard Shook Ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just two a shook for one. the first Shook time. Ones. part two is Ooh. and Ooh. classic when Prodigy said, "My gunshots That's will make, make you levitate. levitate." Yes, <laughs> I got chills. I got like my. I was like, "Oh, who is this?" Yeah. And um, I'm thankful, you know, it's funny, I was in New Orleans in Encore, and they were doing a show, and a friend of mine took me to the show, and it was like a small club, and I was able to perform all the hits and be up in the front, just super fan out, and I was able to meet Prodigy at a hip-hop education conference in New York City, it's mm. um, Schomburg, okay. and I was happy that I was able to tell him, man, like, bro, you, you're you the reason that I rap, you know what I'm saying, yeah. you're, you're, you're influence. Um, is, is is powerful. So if I could, you know, we could, you know, somehow bring that brother <laughs> yeah. spirit yeah, back. Right, right. And, um, right. So not. So if it would be me, Nas, and Prodigy? Yeah. Man, I could Ooh. just Kill go a ahead. I could just go ahead, and, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. lay down <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. Right. you die That'd be it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Wow. Blue,
0: thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, yes. thank you for all your insight. Yes.
1: Appreciate yes. you, man. Truly. Really appreciate you blessing us.
2: Man, I had an amazing time. Keep doing y'all work, man. And you really... You all, man, brought a spirit to our uh, conversation. Because without the youth, man, that energy and that spirit mm-hmm. is missing. Yeah. You know, it's just a bunch of, oh, I'm coming and I'm getting whatever credit that you get. Y'all come in and you just brought, you know, I'm glad that you engaged with us. Yeah, of course. And um, it, it, it made our two days brighter mm-hmm. to have you all in the space. You know what I'm saying? Yourself, my brother Wisdom. Yeah, brother, wisdom, praise. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We're gonna say his name. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah, I I enjoyed y'all. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, brother. Thank Thank you very much. And uh, goodbye, guys. Peace.